This is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW. And welcome back to our second hour of Vancouver Consumer this Saturday afternoon. I'm Sterling Fox, and in just a few moments, John Carlson will join us with a fresh look at Vancouver area real estate and lots more on the 1% Realty story. But first, here are some more of the top consumer stories we're watching this week. Lowe's Company says it plans to close 31 Canadian stores and other locations as part of a plan to focus on its most profitable operations. The closures include 20 27 mostly Rona stores in Canada, 9 in Ontario, 9 in Quebec, 6 in Newfoundland and Labrador, 2 in Alberta, and 1 here in British Columbia, a smaller retail Rona store in New Westminster. Lowe's also plans to close its regional support centres in Mississauga, Ontario, and St. John's, Newfoundland, as well as a block plant in Kamloops. Lowe's Canada says everything will be done to ensure a smooth transition until the stores are closed, including transfers to other locations within the network for employees whenever possible. The company expects to close the stores by the end of their current fiscal year, which actually is by the end of next February. The company is also closing 20 Lowe's stores across the United States. Kraft Heinz has announced it's selling its Canadian natural cheese brands to Parmalat in a huge $1.6 billion deal that will allow Kraft to pay down debt. This agreement includes the sale of Cracker Barrel and a Musa, among others, which generated about $560 million in net sales last year. The deal is expected to close in the first half of next year. Kraft will sell its production facility in Ingleside, Ontario, near Cornwall, and transfer approximately 400 employees from that facility to Parmalat. Kraft Heinz will continue to own and market its other cheese products, including Philadelphia, Cheese Whiz, and Kraft Singles, which are processed in Quebec, where Kraft employs 900 people. There's a long winter ahead, and our supply of grilled cheese sandwiches is still okay. A warning this week from Delta Police about suspicious persons trying to gain access to people's homes by posing as either a city employee or a Crown Corporation employee. One incident three weeks ago involved a woman who said she worked for the city of Delta, and she was conducting home inspections. She did not produce any identification. She was not driving a city vehicle. In the second incident, and this is just last week, a man produced something resembling BC Hydro ID and tried to gain access to a residence. The homeowner suspected something and called BC Hydro immediately, who confirmed the person at that house was not one of their people. So here's the bottom line from the police in Delta, quote, no government or crown employee should come to your door and ask for entry unless an appointment has been made in advance. Anyone faced with this situation should deny entry and at a minimum double check their credentials. Close quote. Police also advise that such a person should be asked to wait outside your home. You should then lock your door, contact their employer directly or police if things appear really suspicious. The cops, by the way, say no legitimate employee will object to your security methods. The U.S. government is investigating 
investigating whether General Motors should expand a 2016 windshield wiper recall to include 1.7 million more SUVs. The government wants to know if a recall of 368,000 Chevy Equinox and GMC Terrain Compact SUVs from 2013 should include more vehicles, extending the range from 2010 through to 2016. GM recalled the SUVs in August of 2016 because the wipers could fail. Water and debris could get into the wiper assembly ball joints, leading to wear and eventual joint failure. The National Highway Traffic Safety Administration says it has 249 wiper failure complaints from owners whose vehicles were not included in the recall. No crashes or injuries reported. GM says it recalled those 2013 vehicles because warranty claims showed a higher than expected failure rate. The company says it's monitoring other model years and it will work with the feds. We'll watch this one and keep you posted, especially if the recall extends into Canada. Oh, and fans of hometown crooner Michael Bublé were quite put off a few weeks ago when rumors of Michael's retirement from show business hit the internet. Much better news for them this week as the singer announced he's coming back with an 11-city national tour which will begin right here on home turf in Vancouver next April 12th at Rogers Arena and wrap up in Quebec City in August. Tickets go on sale Monday, November 19th and every full price ticket comes with a CD or digital copy of Michael's new album, Love, which is due out next week on the 16th. I had a chance to speak with Michael a couple of months ago, the day before his new daughter, Vida, was born, and he was so excited about the new edition. He showed me pictures of his family. Work stuff didn't actually come up, so this is kind of news to me, too. Come next April, we will see a very happy man going back to work. November 19th for Michael Bublé tickets. Those are some more of the week's top consumer stories. We'll have even more for you later in the hour. Stay with us because coming right up is John Carlson with the latest on Metro Vancouver real estate and lots more on the 1% Realty Story. This is Vancouver Consumer and you're listening to CKNW. Welcome back to Vancouver Consumer. This Saturday afternoon, I'm Sterling Fox, joined in studio by John Carlson, Personal Real Estate Corporation, from Johnny1percent.com, and of course, 1% Realty. Welcome back. Good to see you again. Thanks, Sterling. Great to be here again. Well, I need your help here, John. You're the real estate professional, and I've got a whole bunch of paperwork on my desk in front of me, and it doesn't all match up. We've got some, of course, we had some end-of-the-month stuff come through in the last few days for looking at uh, the October numbers and all the rest of it, and we're close enough to the end of the year that People are starting to, with some confidence, make predictions about what to expect in 2019. So I got a couple of reports, one from Central Mortgage and Housing and the other from the BC Real Estate Association, one of which, well, they both say that sales and activity, generally speaking, in Metro Vancouver, John, will be a little less than frantic, which is not a bad thing to begin with. But they also predict that houses are likely to stay on market longer than the 15-minute the thing that we established a couple of years ago. Yes. Help me make some sense of this. They're talking about sales up, volume down, net this. So let's sort it out here. Well, uh, I've read these reports as well, and it's not unusual for uh, you know real estate updates to come out predicting what's going to happen in the near future. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm not in the business of making predictions. That's for sure. 
and I don't have a crystal ball. But I think you might be referring to some of the statistics that uh, say that 2018 has been down, yes. of course, since previous years. And uh, the one report I saw that came out uh, recently uh, suggested that the prices in Greater Vancouver were probably going to continue to softly adjust downward for maybe the next two years. Mm. Um, so, you know, having seen what the market's done in the past and seeing it soften now, I can see that as being a very reasonable possibility. On the other hand, I've seen reports that suggest maybe we're in a trough right now and things might pick up in the spring. And in 2019, we might see a leveling off or even a slight increase in prices again. So again, I'm not in the prediction business, but what I do is uh, I help people uh, uh, interpret what's happening in sure. the market today. And that's why that's why it's good to have this conversation right here on the radio, which no doubt you'll repeat with uh, lots of other customers in the days ahead. Yes. But it is difficult that it's not conflicting information necessarily, no. John. It's not contradictory, right. but it, 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 it leads one to go, okay, which one do I believe? Well, and, you know, neither, nothing's the gospel out there. These are opinions uh, of different people who probably have very good educated opinions. And, and interestingly enough, they're not that much different. Right. They're saying the market was poor this year compared to years previous, and that uh, at best we'll probably see a leveling off in this coming year, and that chances are things might continue to fall. But what's clear is the boom is not happening anymore. The right. boom happened, and now we're in a bit of an adjustment period. So right. if a person's maybe thinking about buying or selling a home, you want to consider what's going on in the market and what might be likely to happen in the near future. But you also want to balance that against what your personal needs are. Uh, you may need to sell sure. for a certain reason, a transfer. And uh, you call a realtor like myself, and I'll give you the best opinions I can about what's going on in the current market and, and how to maybe position and market and that sort of thing. Uh, but again, nobody knows what's going to happen next year, but all indications are we're in for maybe a balanced market or a market that might remain in a slight decline. Mm-hmm. Well, I was kind of joking, but you know, with the, we did have a time, and you've been around this business now for more than two decades, and, and you've been around the block more than a few times. So you've seen the ups and the downs of the real estate industry, especially in this volatile corner of Canada. Right. But I'm, I'm thinking particularly... About you know, I was talking about fifteen minutes on market. Yes, which we had those, John. We had we had moments when you could list your house or your your property, yes. and you would have a parade of people literally at the curb by the time the listing hit the internet. Almost, it was it was beyond frantic. It was nuts, and, that, and we're just not there anymore. No, we're not. And and I think that's a good thing. And a lot of people I think would agree with me. And uh, maybe listeners might not know that from a realtor's point of view, that market was not all roses. I mean, a market like that has its own challenges when it comes time to represent a buyer and give them advice in terms of what price they might want to offer for a property. There might be five other offers and you're kind of blind. So it's a bit, that was a tough market in and of itself. Sure. But uh, you're right, things didn't last on the market and uh, everything was pushing upwards and now we're just in a different day. The sky's not falling, the market is balancing. And I think on uh, the balance of things, that's a good thing. And days on market, which used to be almost a criminal thing. Your house has been listed for what, four days and it hasn't sold? What's wrong with you? Check that price again. (laughs) Well, you know, that's gone. We're we're just not, hopefully not going to see that again for a while. So the fact that it may take a few days, possibly a few weeks to sell a home is it's pretty typical. It's it may be odd for Vancouver where we're not accustomed to that anymore. Right. But it's pretty typical, isn't it? It is. And and just anecdotally, uh, this last past week I've had clients looking at houses in mission, eight hundred thousand dollar range. Whereas before you know, nice newer homes in that price range, they weren't lasting. Well, we looked at maybe a dozen homes. We're going to go look at maybe a dozen more. Wow, okay. And some of them have been on the market 60, 90, 120 days or more. So 
you know, things aren't selling necessarily as quickly. And uh, the statistics say that our inventory levels in greater Vancouver are at four-year highs. So buyers have more choices. They can be more picky. They can take their time. I was also out in Coquitlam looking at homes in that maybe $1.1, $1.2 million range. Similar story. Lots of properties that detached houses that have been on the market for 60, 90 days or more. So you're absolutely right. I like to tell my clients that what we saw in the past this market is not really tuned to produce the same results. Right. A lot of that uh, octane out of the fuel, if you will, has been removed, and we're not producing as much uh, horsepower, and the market's just a little bit slower. Right. And, and uh, in terms of uh, factors, and you and I have discussed this at length, and it does come up in these reports, both from Central Mortgage and Housing and also from the CBC Real Estate Association and anybody else who's been filing reports on this topic for the last few months, you and I have, and I have identified on this program a number of the contributing factors to the variance in the market these days, of course, is government-induced. We've got all these new taxes and regulations and taxes on taxes on top of taxes. And that was designed. They're the first to tell you in Victoria, we did this to calm, their word, calm the market. Well, the market's it's, it's pretty calm, John. It's, it's not doldrums, but it certainly has had the effect they wanted. Yes, I think it has. Whether, had- po- whether we, know, we think it's positive or negative, it has worked from their perspective. Well, I think in a lot of ways, I mean, I think it's positive in a lot of ways. And I think the, the polls have shown the vast majority of people in Greater Vancouver do approve of bringing the market under control because sure. outrageous prices have ripple effects throughout society and, uh, you know, more than just the real estate market. So, uh, you know, the fe- federal government introduced the stress test, which sure. took the buying power out of the buyer's pockets and reduced the number of buyers that could afford any particular segment. I think that was a wonderful move. Some people maybe say it's been overkill. I don't don't know. I'd like to see how it plays out in through 2019. Uh, the provincial governments, you know, had their measures as well. So, mm-hmm. and um, the city threw a couple in as well. And the city, yeah, yeah. municipalities and cities. piling on. It used to be called in football. So, but there, there is the net effect has been to slow things down. It has, but in in my opinion, anyway, this market, the demand for Greater Vancouver is so robust. Yeah. I mean, for locals and foreigners and everything, I am not at all worried about the health of this market. In fact, I see it as a good sign that things are coming down a little bit because if we start to edge into the territory where the market's really uh, softening and maybe the ground's loosening or crashing or something like that, there are an awful lot of people with money on the sidelines right now waiting to see what happens in the market. And That's just, true. Just like a good investor, if you see a, an attractive stock hit a, a price that makes sense to buy, you're back in. Mm-hmm. So this is leveling. People are, some people are waiting to see what happens on the sidelines. Uh, other people who are maybe not discretionary buyers, they have to buy. They've had another child or you know maybe a divorce or a transfer and they need to sell or, or buy. These people are going to be buying in the market Regardless, Sure, of course. Uh, but if we're looking for the old days where buyers are um, beating each other up and throwing their wallets on the table to try to get any property they can find, definitely over for the time being. Well, the net in-migration to Vancouver, at least Metro Vancouver, on an annual year-over-year basis, John, tends to be around 30,000 people. Not, not everyone coming to the city in the next 12 months is going to buy a house, but they are going to need some housing one way or another. So the demand level, the intake demand level is constant. It, it doesn't go away, regardless of what's going on in the actual real estate industry, does it? No, it doesn't. The demand here is uh, absolutely strong and healthy. But timing-wise, some people think it might be worthwhile to wait. And that's why we've seen inventories build, sales drop. And when that happens, prices generally come down. Okay, now this is, this is, a, this is a good point in, 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 the, in the conversation to ask you. Now suppose 
I'm one of those people that's been, I'm not, I don't have to sell the house. I'm not being transferred. There hasn't been a medical emergency, but it's the game plan is, is, is at play here. And the game plan calls for at this point in our life to maybe unload the big old house, downsize and have a little fun with the, the difference. Uh, that a lot of, it's a game plan that's pretty, uh, pretty uh, popular these days. So if I'm in that crowd, and the game plan is still, well, you know, we should probably think about selling. Uh, do, are, are you finding people calling you up and, and, and saying, I, I want to sell, but I'm not sure whether I should now or not? Is it a good time? Are you getting those calls? I am getting those calls. I still get the calls with, hey, I'm selling. Let's talk about how to do this. But right. Just off the top of my head yesterday, I hope she doesn't mind me mentioning her name. I met a nice lady, Shirley. She actually heard uh, us on the radio show and listens quite frequently. So, Thank you for Shirley, listening, Shirley. If you're listening now, hi, Shirley. But... Um, Without saying too much, that was the question Shirley had. Hey, I don't have to sell right now. I could wait till the spring. What do you, you know, think is is uh, is the the best course of action? And uh, you know, it's hard to time a market. And I, 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 my opinion is the market might be a little softer in the spring than it is now, but right. I don't know for sure. Right. And, uh, but we do know that the spring, for example, and you've told us dozens of times, is the single busiest activity time of the oh, yeah. year for real estate. Not necessarily, uh, prices don't necessarily reflect that, but it gets busy in the springtime. It definitely does. And my point is uh, to anybody listening, I think your personal situation takes precedence. If you want to sell in a market like this, well, it might be a little higher, a little lower than it might be next year. But you're, if you're buying again in the same market, does it really matter that much? Um, so rather than try to sell today because you think it might go down or wait because you think it might go up, I'd take that into consideration as a seller, but then I'd also take into my own personal consideration. What, what's my motivation for moving? Sure. And, and what about the numbers involved? Suppose now, and again, because we're, we're looking at these reports, some, some are predicting softer uh, selling prices. Some are thinking they're going to go up a little tick or two next year. So, but it does, there's no dramatic increases or decreases being predicted. It's all quite gentle correction type stuff. So in terms of the number you have in mind for your house, I'd like, I think we could probably probably get X for this house where are we to put it on the market today. Um, so how important is it for you to know what your number X is in relation to what you could actually really get for your property? Being realistic on the market is key right now. Uh, for instance, in some of these detached housing segments I've been talking about, we might see 20 listings in a certain category. And then I take a look at sales in that same category over a couple months, and there might be two sales. In a situation like that, in my opinion, if maybe 10% of the listings are selling, and that might mean the cream of the crop, the best ones are selling, and we see a lot of price reductions happening, I would advise somebody to look at their motivation level and say, hey, you know, if, if I am serious about selling, we might want to be in the top 20% of listings in terms of price and value and what we offer, rather sure. than the bottom 80%, because those ones are sitting and following the market down on a slow scale. So uh, again, it comes down to personal uh, preference in terms of whether you want to sell now or not, but you need to know your numbers and you need to be accurate on the market. Now, in terms of, of pricing and, and being realistic, John, um, if, uh, if you're, and I'm sure you encounter this from time to time, someone says, you know, I think this property is probably going to be worth this. Sure. And you have to say, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm inclined to disagree. I don't think you're going to get that. So then it becomes strategy, doesn't it? And I'm also wanted to quickly mention before we go to the news break, I'm starting to see new price stickers on some 
house right. signs on front lawns. That's not a sign of surrender anymore, is it? Not at all. No, and it, you know, to adjust your price, there's no, there's no sin in that. I mean, that's, this, this can happen. You try for a price or the market changes or maybe your motivation changes. In fact, at the end of the show, I'm going to introduce a, a listing that I have. We've had a significant price reduction because the sellers are motivated. Um, but uh, yeah, you want to be accurate, that's for sure. Johnny1percent.com is a great place to take a moment and check out. That's the website for John Carlson from 1% Realty. Lots more coming up on Vancouver Consumer after the news. Welcome back to Vancouver Consumer this Saturday afternoon. Sterling Fox with you on CKNW, joined in studio by John Carlson from Johnny1percent.com and 1% Realty. John, just before the break, uh, the news break, we were talking about uh, timing the market and how you suggest it's not a particularly great strategy. Uh, and we also talked about lawn signs, and some of them now have new price stickers on top of the, the agency name and so on. That used to indicate a few years ago, oh, this person's desperate. Uh, it doesn't necessarily mean that anymore. It just means somebody's trying to accommodate the changing uh, market realities. It, it's not a, a white flag anymore to have a new price sticker on your real estate sign, is it? Absolutely not. It's, it's common. I mean, it's, it's better if you don't have to reduce your price, of course. Yeah. And if you start off at the right number, you might not have to reduce your price. But uh, yeah, it's quite common to see things adjust a little bit. Not wholesale huge drops, but you know there are some significant adjustments out there. And it reflects the market and it reflects the, the motivation of each particular seller and how competitive they want to be on that market. Let's talk a little bit about something you brought up on this show a couple of weeks ago as we were talking about these softening house prices market-wide. And that's where the 1% realty business model really comes into play. And you brought this point uh, up on the radio. Uh, in terms of commission structure uh, versus uh, uh, the the fairly commonly accepted uh, 7% of the first 100,000, 2.5% of the balance, it's not, it's not gospel to use your word, but it's a commonly accepted number. 1% realty structure is much lower. Your commission structure is lower. And in some cases, and I want you to elaborate on this, please, you were describing last time around how that lower commission structure can actually work to your advantage in a declining housing sale price market because you paying less commission can end up getting a little closer to that price you wanted in the first place. Well, working with me at 1% Realty, um, you know, again, compared to the seven and two and a half you mentioned, uh, which is not everywhere, but it's, it's the most common, uh, mm-hmm. you know, uh, commission model out there. Working with you'll always save money working with me on on that. And now that the market has uh, adjusted down a little bit, I think it's human nature for us to remember. Hey, my neighbor sold for X. Yeah, you know when the market was crazy, and wow, I'm not going to get that now. I'm going to get maybe somewhat less than that. Well, I've run into this situation where people have said, Hey, I might not get as much money, but I sure don't want to pay forty grand in commission sure. to get it. So how do I make this work, John? And of course. You know, people still kind of wonder how can you provide the same level of service as a lot of other agents but charge so much less? And right. These are the conversations I have with people. And they're but fair questions. They are. Uh, but when you think about it, uh, if you want to be competitive, maybe you're a, you're, maybe you're a condo at 399000 in a in one of these outlying areas. You're affordable. Uh, but there's six or seven or eight other ones very similar to you in price and very similar. So you got you got some competition out there. Well, I guess theoretically, you could probably drop your price ten grand compared to the others and still net as much mm-hmm. when you sell as your competition. So I think that uh, having a better commission structure gives you a bit of an advantage because you can net more money or you can be a little bit sharper and, and, and sell maybe before some of your competition does. 
Let's talk a little bit about, about the business model, because you brought this up, not me. Uh, we, as consumers, are pretty much conditioned to the, the old axiom, you get what you pay for. Right. And if you're paying less for something, then one typically would expect less. And you, at 1%, defy that expectation by uh, delivering uh, exactly the same degree of quality service as any of your competitors while the person is still paying less in commission. This boggles some minds, John. Well, people do sometimes, uh, I wouldn't say struggle to understand it, but they definitely want to know how this can work. Because, you know, there's all kinds of people out there promising better this and lower price that. And, you know, do you always get what you pay for? Do you always, you know, saving a buck sometimes can really burn you. Mm -hmm. And people are a little bit careful about that. And I I don't blame them at all. But I would suggest to listeners that, you know, real estate commissions are, uh, you know, they're they're pretty healthy commissions out there. And uh, maybe the average realtor sells five or 10 or, you know, fewer houses per year. I'm going to suggest to people that if you sell 50 or 60 houses a year, that you can probably do it a little bit more efficiently. And uh, my business model is just very efficient. I I pass the savings on to my clients. I always do... uh you know, top level where I don't, I don't cut corners. I don't, uh, you know, leave them hanging, wondering where I am. And as one person once said, put a sign in the yard and wait to collect my small commission. Mm -hmm. I work. I mean, I started out at these other companies and I still work the same way. I still offer the same services and, and even, and even more now. So, uh, I understand that people might be uh, a little bit hesitant, but I think you should go to my website and take a look. Maybe hear even some of my testimonials, the clients that have saved thousands and thousands of dollars and found that, Hey, you know, just because John Carlson's at 1% realty doesn't mean he's any less of an agent sure. than some of these other guys at the big companies. Oh, let's uh, let's now we'll uh, we'll uh, encourage our listeners to check out the website johnny1percent.com or johnny1percent.ca works either way. But in terms of testimonials, uh, we'll, we'll we'll save you the the trouble of rushing over to the computer and pulling one up on the website. Ben, have you got the the testimonial from John and Jan and Ann Moore all set to go? Okay, well, let's hear from them now. I heard about John on 980, um, and I came home and told my husband about him, and he sounded great, and all that he did in the 1%. Um, John was not that keen on going that direction. He didn't feel we would get the same service if we'd gone with a regular agent. Um um, but then John came out to our home. He was fabulous. And John... And John saw the light, and John is absolutely, positively thrilled with John and his service, and especially the amount of money, which we figure is around $30,000, that he saved us. But he does the same job as everybody else. Like, his pictures were fantastic. He does the virtual tour. There is nothing you get less because you go with 1% royalty. You get exactly the same thing if you go with a regular 7% royalty, and I think that's what impressed my husband uh, the most. And, I mean, he was always available to us to talk to us anytime, explain anything to us. Um, Very, very professional and did a great job of selling the house in a quick hurry. There's a couple of satisfied customers there, yes. John Carlson. The, the John the husband talking about John the realtor was a little confusing for yes. a couple of moments in there, but Jan helped us uh, sort it all out. Happy, happy clients, John. 
Absolutely, and it feels great hearing from John and Jan. Working with them was a pleasure. They had a great house. Any realtor would have jumped for joy to be given that listing and to work with them, and I was lucky to be involved in it. So, yeah, we saved them some money. They, uh, I think he quoted $30,000, which sounds about right. This is a house in Anmore that's uh, close to the $2 million range. Uh, and thank you, John and Jan, for that. I appreciate it. It's good to know that you felt uh, that you got your money's worth. Well, it's more. interesting. And it's always interesting to hear it because you talk about the business model and you how you're uh, determined and always provide the same degree of quality service as your competitors, regardless of the commission structure. We get that from you. But it's even more, I, I think, credible would be a, a good word here when people that you've dealt with who have actual savings in the bank to testify about talk about it. And again, the, the in terms of delivery of quality service, no complaints whatsoever. Well, why not save thirty thousand dollars? No, if kidding. you can tax free, you know, you know, money. It takes a, you know, some people a year to put that kind of money away, or or longer in terms of, uh, you know, after tax money that they earn. So this is a significant savings. And honestly, uh, you know, if I wasn't a good agent, if I wasn't experienced, if I didn't know how to negotiate and position and communicate with buyers and sellers and other agents, I wouldn't be worth working with because it would be a false savings. But thank goodness for me, I do have the experience and I do have the knowledge and I'm very client focused. So when I meet with somebody, I tell them the truth as I understand it. I lay the cards out there and I say, hey, let's, you're the boss, not me. This is not my house. This Mm. is not my money. Sure. This is my advice and this is how I propose we go forward. And then in the end, I listen to my clients and we, we go for it. And again, listening to the clients, and I'm, just, I'm looking at Johnny1percent.com, the, the website, and right about halfway, scrolling down the page, I'm looking at some of the numbers. Now, there's a grid on your website, John Carlson, that talks about, it, it's doll right there in black and white, uh, how much will you save is the name of this little chart, and it lists typical property prices. So let me grab one. You said the house in Anmore was $2 million. I've got, let me grab $1.5 million. not an unusual or unrealistic price for a detached home anywhere in Metro Vancouver these days. So the 1% realty commission rate on a $1.5 million house is just a whisker under 20,000 bucks. Most other brokers will charge 42,000 for the same job on the same sale of that same house. The net saving to the the uh, seller of that house a cool $26,000. In that case, yeah, that's correct. Now, again, there are other business models, but compared to the, the predominant one, yeah, you'll save a lot of money working with 1% Realty and, and myself. And I guess the other point to make is because you, you referenced how busy you are earlier in the hour in the conversation. And this is something that perhaps our, our listeners need to know about in terms of the degree of activity that our, our guest, Mr. Carlson, is up to all the time. He's a member of what they call the President's Club in the real estate industry. This is the top 1% of realtors in Metro Vancouver and the Fraser Valley. And John was uh, inducted again into the President's Club last year for 2017. And I believe it was your third visit uh, to that elite group at the top of the realtor uh, uh, spectrum here in, in Metro Vancouver. So congratulations. And it is that that activity, the, the boots on the ground every day of the week out there in the marketplace, that kind of current knowledge is critical in the kind of market we're going through right now with literally changes coming week after week, John. That's right. And I think that I, you know, uh, thanks for mentioning some of those accomplishments. I like to serve my clients and let the cards fall where they may. And I, when I do that, I do a lot of business. Um, uh, but um, 
Well, just talking about uh, advice and yes. strategy, and that's, that's the key here because, yeah, as you pointed out in, in many times in this conversation we've had over the years, some realtors in the metro Vancouver area will sell one, possibly two houses per year. Um, and, and not to brag or anything, but that might be a weekly statistic in your case. Now, I may be overdoing it, but in terms of activity sure. and um, uh, uh, daily involvement in the marketplace and the movement of houses, uh, you're, you're a very active guy. And the more active you are, the more aware you are going to be of the need to be aware of changes and how to adapt to them, sometimes on a daily basis. Yeah, keeping uh, busy definitely keeps you sharp. I will say that. And I think that when you, you, know, when you look at an agent, you want to look at the experience level because you get better the more you, you, know, you do any, any business and any job. And it's particularly recent activity. So, you know, when I'm active doing evaluations, when I'm active writing offers for buyers, when I'm active negotiating offers that come in from other agents mm-hmm. to my sellers, uh, you know, you tend to have your finger on the pulse of the market. And I think that I can give better advice when I'm busy than when I'm not. So usually, uh, what's that old saying? If you want something done well, give it to a busy person. And I think that applies in real estate too. The more, the, the busier you are and the more uh, active you are, I think the better timely advice you're able to give to your clients. Uh, He's a busy guy, but he might want to jot down this phone number and check in with John Carlson. It's 604-612-0080. Again, 604-612-0080. All that information on the website at johnny1percent.com. And of course, there's that that uh, the, 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 my favorite part of the website is is the middle of the middle of the homepage, John, with that grid, because there it all is. It's the whole one percent business model in a nutshell, and you can just you you can sweep over it in a matter of seconds, and you completely understand the way one percent realty does business in terms of commission structure. It's pretty enticing. Well, why pay more? I mean, when you think about how the market works, it's driven not by commissions but by buyers who are comparison shoppers. They want to get the best properties they can, and so again, it comes down to positioning, pricing, marketing, but buyers don't generally ask, hey, what's the commission on this property when they when they want to see it? Sure, of course. So it's not a commission-driven business. Agents, good agents out there in all kinds of companies, they need to make a living, they want to make money, but they also want to represent the interests of their clients. And uh, when, I'm t- when I take a listing, it's professionally marketed, it looks great, it's on MLS, all that sort of stuff. So what we give you is all the important things, the ingredients that you need to successfully sell at top market value the only difference is we're not putting a big uh, price tag on it when it's done. Interesting stuff. You got an open house to tell us about in the final minute of the, of the program this afternoon, John? Yes, thank you. Now, this is a house in Maple Ridge. It's going to be open Sunday 1 to 3. And the interesting thing about this one, we've just reduced the price significantly. Oh, okay. Uh, the, the address is 23853. 105 Avenue in Maple Ridge. This is a house that was built in the early 2000s. It's about 3,000 square feet. Beautiful finishing, architectural upstairs with vaulted ceilings. There's nothing across the street but Greenbelt. In the back, it's private yard. It has a wet bar down in the basement that could easily be converted to a suite. And get this, list price sterling, $824,900. It was just reduced $50,000 and it probably will not last the week. This is a motivated seller who has an opportunity to go somewhere else. So open house Sunday, 1 to 3, 23853, 105th Avenue. I'd recommend anybody looking for a good value, a good house. This is the best value in Albion. And you can take a preview, look at it right now, if you'd like, at johnny1percent.com. John Carlson, we're fresh out of time. I am, as always, grateful for yours. Good conversation today. We'll catch up to you in a couple more weeks. Thanks. I'll see you in two weeks. All right, then. We're back after this. 
And once again, our thanks to John Carlson for another very informative visit. Next week, pharmacist Alan Glasser will return with great information on pain management. And the world-class dentist from BC Perio will be back too. Time now for Duly Noted. And this time around, our producer Ben Dooley looks at a lawsuit over Canadian visa fees. Thanks, Sterling. It could be the largest class action lawsuit in Canadian history. At the center are fees people from India, China, and the Philippines paid for multiple entry temporary resident visa applications. Alan Hinton, a BC native, is the lead plaintiff. He and his wife became concerned when they learned of the alleged discrepancy between the fee and the service provided. Hinton said he decided to pursue legal action with an aim to help immigrants so they don't have to pay more than they can afford government is saying that they're not supposed to make money off of this and they're supposed to sort of be neutral, that they should honor that. Richard Curlin, Hinton's lawyer, has been researching this case of overpayment of multiple entry visa applications for 20 years. Visas are needed if you're from a country like China, India, Philippines to come visit Canada or work or study here. But what happened is that since 2004, the government charged too much. The lawsuit alleges an illegal and recoverable profit was made by the government and asks as relief, among other things, that a partial financial refund of the fees paid be given to the people who paid the service fees. Immigration, Refugees and Citizenship Canada declined to comment on the case. I'm Ben Dooley, and that's Dooley Noted. Thanks, Ben. Time for a couple more consumer quickies before we have to go. Vancouver Coastal Health has issued a recall and a public health warning not to eat eight products manufactured and sold by Polonia Sausage House. The meat products, ranging from Servalat to Polish to Hungarian sausages and others, were sold between August 1st and November 2nd at all four of Polonia's retail stores, two here in Vancouver and two in Sur. The concern is possible bacterial contamination due to processing methods. The retailer has stopped selling all the items. No illnesses have been reported. Customers are asked to either throw away any of these products or they return them to the originating store. Here's a news flash for fans of Breaking Bad this week. There's a new movie version coming out. Brian Cranston, who played teacher-turned-drug-dealer Walter White on the series from 2008 to 2013, says he's heard of a movie script for the revival, but he hasn't seen anything yet. He's not even sure whether the movie will be for theatrical release or digital or direct-to-TV, but he also says he would be thrilled to work with series creator Vince Gilligan whom he calls a genius. Cranston says there are plenty of unfinished stories left over from the series, and he thinks fans are going to go crazy for a movie version. No other details yet, but we'll keep you posted. And that is our program for this week, produced by Ben Dooley, with Andrew Ferreira at the controls, as always. We appreciate your feedback, and if you have any thoughts or suggestions for our show, we'd appreciate hearing from you. Send them along to sterling at cknw.com. Or you can tweet us at Van Consumer. I'm Sterling Fox. Join us again next Saturday at 2 for a chat with pharmacist Alan Glasser and the world-class dentist from BC Perio. Another edition of Vancouver Consumer right here on CKNW.
The proceeding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW.